Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. All right, so it's, it's Advent, right? Witness the Christmas trees, Advent. Only 27 more shopping days until Christmas, if you were, if you were keeping count. Can you feel Christmas in the air? How long has your tree been up? You got the lights on the house? Who's coming to visit? What's the menu going to be? Is it going to be turkey or beef or is it going to be ham? Are you going to travel somewhere? Who's coming over to your house? You know, for some, the frenzy of the season can fill all the space, right? You know, for others, this season is less about frenzied activity and more about just filling time because maybe the season is difficult and lonesome. Maybe the hustle and the bustle are just passing by. Memories too painful, friends and family too absent. Friends, our Advent series, God With Us, meets us where we are, whether we're at our wit's end, tending to all the Utah details, or if we're facing the holiday with a sense of maybe a sense of reluctance or resignation, or if we're facing the holiday with, with joy. God with us brings hope. God with us brings love. God with us brings joy. God with us brings peace. God with us is a tiny baby who changed everything. This morning we explore the hope of Advent. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church as Kelly Fitzgerald reads the text for us from Isaiah. Feel free to follow along with your Bible or on your digital device. Hello, my name is Kelly Fitzgerald and I will be reading Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly, for reading our scripture today. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, open our hearts and our minds to the movement of your spirit this day. Amen. You know, Advent's sort of moving along, but I I should ask you how your Thanksgiving was. How was your Thanksgiving? Was it good? Yeah? Getting some head nods. Some folks are saying, yeah, good Thanksgiving. You know, this uh, this is the closest Thanksgiving and Advent ever are. Three days. And I actually think that, that uh, Thanksgiving is a nice setup for Advent. You know, we need to exercise our, 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 uh, our gratitude muscles as we begin this season of anticipation, hope, love, peace, and joy. It's important to get prepared because Advent is really such an important time. And it makes sense then to illustrate this hope this hope of the season with an enduring story, okay? So I've, I've found an epic tale, one with characters we can all identify with. It's a narrative with heft and gravitas and cultural significance and timeless values. Consider, friends, a Christmas story. Yes, it's a story of hope and promise. Set in the mythical Indiana town of Homan, which is actually Cleveland. If you've ever been to Cleveland, you can go find the house. A Christmas Story is a sweet tale of one family's holiday seen through the eyes of young Ralphie Parker. Author and humorist Gene Shepard narrates the movie. 
And he also wrote the memoir that the movie is based on, this book called In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. That's a sermon, whole nother sermon, whole nother thing. All right. This movie regularly makes the list of the all-time most popular Christmas movies, and it's regularly shown on a 24-hour loop starting on Christmas Eve. Anybody seen it? One of the reasons I think this movie is so popular is that is Ralphie's Christmas hope. You know, the only thing nine-year-old Ralphie Parker wants for Christmas is a Red Ryder BB gun, a Red Ryder carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and this thing that tells time. Yes, hope springs eternal in young Ralphie's heart as he tries every possible angle to attain his goal. Throughout it all, he's convinced that if he just gets his Red Rider BB gun, everything is going to be perfect. This, despite his mother's admonition in one of the classic lines from the movie, you know it, you'll shoot your eye out. Yeah. So maybe A Christmas Story is the perfect Advent film. After all, Advent is actually a season of hope. The word Advent means coming or arrival. Adventus, for those of you who are Latin scholars, And the season is marked by expectation, waiting, anticipation, and longing. It's less about shopping days and more about hoping days. And it's not just an extension of Christmas. It's it's this season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing, the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, and then to be alert for the coming of the kingdom. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus Christ's coming while at the same time looking ahead in hopeful and eager anticipation. After all, that's what we pray for each Sunday. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what this is about. So during Advent, we wait for both. It's an active, assured, and hopeful waiting. In a season often marked by frenzied busyness and maybe acute loneliness, Advent is an opportunity to set aside and prepare hearts and help us place our focus on a far greater story than our own. You know, it's not always about us. The story of God's redeeming love for the world. It's a season of digging deep into the reality of what it means that God sent the Son into the world to be Emmanuel, God with us. It's a season of expectation, of preparation. It's an opportunity to align ourselves with God's presence rather than paying attention to presence. Buying, giving, receiving. So wherever you are in your own spiritual journey, I invite you into this season, and it's a time that allows for questions and struggle as we take time to prepare our hearts for Christ's coming. Advent is not a celebration that God's going to come fix things, that we're just sort of waiting for God to show up and everything's going to be okay. No, rather simply, Advent is is a celebration of God's presence, God's coming to be with us. Okay, do you see the difference? He's the God with us. In the darkness, in the pain, in the chaos, He comes and He makes a way. In our text today, chapter 9 in Isaiah, there's certainly a message of hope. In a familiar refrain, the prophet tells us about a time when the divided and conquered nation will once again be governed with justice and righteousness. This passage comes from the first part of Isaiah. Isaiah has been, been, uh, biblical scholarship kind of divides it into three pieces. 
first, second, and third Isaiah. This comes from the first part, written during the late 8th century. First Isaiah, these first chapters of Isaiah, strike alternative themes of despair and hope. The Assyrians have conquered the northern kingdom. Israel is occupied. It's a time of darkness and danger, chaos and pain. In fact, if you take a look at the chapter right ahead of this, chapter 8 preceding, Isaiah's tone is anguish and despair. You know, the southern kingdom is now at risk. Assyria has captured the north. They're coming to the south. The chapter concludes with this description of what the people have to look forward to from verse 22, chapter 8, Isaiah. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. So that's chapter 8. Chapter 9 overflows with hope. Hope for liberation, hope for justice, hope for righteousness, hope for peace, hope for joy. These are the words of a coronation. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. The greatness of His government and peace will never end. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. These are the words of a new beginning of joy in the, in the face of oppression. You know, with all of these books of prophecy, they operate at many levels. You know, the immediate level, of course, was the 8th century audience that Isaiah was talking to, writing to. Some commentators think that this, the passage refers to Hezekiah. Hezekiah, who turned out to be a good king. You know, Israel, or the, king, the kingdom, they had a succession of really not very good kings. If you remember when we, when we went through the, uh, the entire Bible, we spent quite a bit of time there looking at these rascal kings that really weren't very good. Hezekiah, on the other hand, reformed the priesthood, reopened the temple, destroyed the idols. He was, in the words of Second Kings, quote, more zealous for the Lord than any of his predecessors. So the passage works to, in context. At another level, of course, for centuries, Christians have read these words in Isaiah as foretelling Christ's birth. Those are the, that, that's what we're familiar with. A Messiah will be born and things will change. George Frederick Handel in the 18th century, a thousand years after Isaiah wrote, first wrote those words, used those verses to wondrous effect in his famous oratorio. Countless have encountered the hope of Christ through the words of Handel's Messiah. And of course, then, on another level, Isaiah's words have meaning for us. And maybe the message says it best during this Advent, for a child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us. He'll take over running the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness, His ruling authority will grow and there'll be no limits to the wholeness that he brings. Yes, we we love our messages of hope. I'll leave it to you to to tune up your favorite Christmas movie after the 945 people were wanting to tell me what their favorite Christmas movies were. You know, Family Vacation, there's that one, right, with Cousin Eddie. I don't know. Um, I'm getting some nods. So I'm going to leave to you to take your favorite Christmas uh, movie, great uh, favorite Christmas movie, and find the hope, the message of hope. But for right now, today, let's, why don't we focus on what hope is for you this Christmas? 
Where do you see hope? Hold that thought. And we'll go back to Ralphie for a minute. Ralphie, if you recall, is hoping against hope for the Red Rider BB gun. And you remember what happens? Christmas morning comes, and what is the gift that captures his attention, and not in a good way? Yeah. It seems that maybe Ralphie has miscalculated. His Christmas, at least for the moment, has turned into what, is, what the old man calls a pink nightmare. In a humiliating turn, Ralphie's Aunt Clara has given her favorite nephew a special gift. Unanticipated and unwanted. But wait, the story continues. Ralphie does finally get his Red Rider. Filled with joy, he takes off after Black Bart and the rest of the backyard outlaws. And with a brave snarl, Ralphie proclaims, All right, Black Bart, now you get yours. And then, making a profit out of his mother, spoiler alert, Ralphie promptly shoots his eye out. Or at least he shoots his glasses off. And then he steps on them. Not exactly the outcome Ralphie was hoping for. Pretty disappointing. What a letdown. Misplaced hope can be like that. It can be disappointing. Even devastating. You know, the people of Israel certainly knew about misplaced hope. Time and again, they placed their hopes in rulers that, as I mentioned before, cared were kind of rascals, and they cared more about their own fortunes than in following God's lead. Hezekiah was a bright spot, a rare bright spot in that succession of characters. Their history ended up, as we know, one of repeated failures of faith that eventually ended in exile and bondage and oppression. And in perhaps the ultimate in misplaced hopes, Jesus goes from a triumphal entry into Jerusalem with the hopes of the people ringing in his ears. Unfortunately, what they wanted, what their hopes were for an earthly king that would lead a revolt against the hated Romans and all their local allies. Jesus ends up on a cross and an ignominious death, the death of a bandit, an insurgent, an enemy of the people. Yes, misplaced hopes can be devastating. And what of our hopes this day as we enter Advent? It seems like there's ample potential for disappointment, doesn't it? Where, for example, where are the wonderful counselors? Our political systems recycle the same arguments, the same focus on division, appealing to the lowest common denominator. Where's the justice and righteousness? Despite inflation and its ravages, personal wealth is still at an all-time high while one in eight families in Texas don't have enough to eat. And we've kind of coined a clinical phrase, food insecurity, for that. I'd say just hungry. Just hungry. And where is the peace? We've had a quite a bit of violence of late. Two mass shootings in Virginia, another one in Colorado in a span of just 10 days. War continues in Ukraine, and then closer to home, our denominational argument seems to never end. And where is the joy? 
According to one survey of Americans, a significant majority of us describe our overall outlook as one, one that is having as little optimism as we've ever had at any time in three decades. It's easy to lose sight of hope. How disappointing it all is. Yet into the disappointment, into the darkness, into the chaos and the pain comes a little baby. A tiny, defenseless, swaddled infant. Emmanuel, God with us. And in perhaps the most striking of contrasts, the most unexpected of ways, the hope of the world, the object of Isaiah's prophecy, comes not as an earthly king, not as a powerful warrior, not even as a noble statesman, and certainly not as a political figure, but as an infant holy, infant lowly. Jesus the Christ, the holy child, comes into the world, and unexpectedly everything changes. So let's return one last time to Ralphie and a Christmas story. Ralphie's greatest moment of satisfaction in the, in the movie doesn't come from the Red Rider BB gun, but, but from something unexpected and unearned. After one particularly trying day at school, Ralphie runs into the school bully. You're going to love the school bully's name, Scott Farkas. You can't, just, you can't even say that without thinking, bully. So he, Ralphie runs into Scott Farkas, and tired of being teased, Ralphie surrenders to his rage, and he pummels the bully and bursts into a string of obscenities. Ralphie's mother hears this from home, comes and gets him, and then takes him home, sends him to his room. And while Ralphie's waiting tearfully for his father to get home, he's... He's fearing the worst. Ralphie's mother finds his younger brother, Randy, hiding under the kitchen sink. Randy, what's the matter? What are you crying for? She asks. Daddy's going to kill Ralphie. Mom assures Randy that everything's going to work out, but she's, I think she's a little concerned about what may come. So Ralphie's locked in his room, and he fears the worst. He's waiting for the car to pull up in the driveway. And when it does, this knot in his stomach gets a little tighter because he knows those awful things he said. What in the world's going to happen? He hears his dad's voice, and then he kind of walks downstairs to meet his fate. After some small talk, the old man asks, well, what happened today? Ralphie realizes that his time has come. It's all going to come out. So he looks at his mother with a pained expression, and then his mother responds, Oh, nothing much. Ralphie, Ralphie had a fight. Tension rises. The old man puts down his paper, and he looks at Ralphie with a stern gaze, and he said, A fight? What kind of fight? And his mom quickly jumps in, Oh, you know how boys are. I just gave him a talking to. Oh, I see the Bears are playing the Packers on Sunday. And then the old man turns his attention to football. And a smile breaks across Ralphie's face, and he beams at his mother because Ralphie has received the greatest gift of all, an unexpected and undeserved gift, a gift of mercy and a gift of grace. What he wanted most was a BB gun, and he got pink bunny pajamas. 
When he got the BB gun, he shot his eye out. No, the great gift he got, the unexpected gift, was mercy and grace. Friends, our hope during this Advent is in those precious moments of unexpected mercy and grace. The God with us. Unexpected hope in the eyes of over 125 Malvern Elementary School children who are going to have a Christmas this year, thanks to your generosity. Unexpected hope in the, in the cans and the boxes and the packets and even those little styrofoam cups of ramen noodles that we're going to take over to the food drive next week. Unexpected hope in a dozen or two cookies for a Sunshine Kids teacher. Unexpected hope in a queen bed and a nightstand and a gigantic, well-worn leather sofa. I know because I helped move it, courtesy of Bed Start. Unexpected hope in the scholarships to Wesley College in Tanzania that we will fund with the December communion offering. Unexpected hope in the tiny concrete blockhouse we will build in February in Juarez. Unexpected hope in the Stephen minister reaching out to one in the midst of loss. Unexpected hope in that handwritten thank you note to that person you've been meaning to say something to and just haven't gotten around to it yet. Unexpected hope in that phone call or that text to that person that you know who's going to be alone this Christmas. Unexpected hope in the invitation to them to join you for Christmas dinner. Unexpected hope in the forgiveness of that one, that person that you maybe have written off because of their attitudes or their opinions or their remarks or their posts online. Friends, the unexpected hope is in doing not what may be deserved, but in doing what is needed. Friends, we, we are that unexpected hope this Advent. God with us, acting through us. Remember, ours is an active, assured, hopeful, waiting, active, active. As we wait, let us act with the assurance of a God who loves us and empowers us and who shows us the way, for that is the true hope, the vital hope, the reliable hope that the world needs. Will you pray with me? Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. Let it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.